Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So Ronan Steed was um, interviewed after the game on TG Catter after Galway blew uh, Tyrone away it has to be said with an outstanding uh, display of attack and football especially in the first half when it was a proper contest to score 12 points he said it's all, he's talking about Porrick Joyce he's all about attacking we've got great forwards Shane, Damo getting the ball quick into them stops defences setting up if we give the ball um, in we know they'll do damage so it's easy enough when you think about it it seems so basic lads you've got great forwards don't slow the ball. Get don't slow the ball down. Let the other team set up defensively. Get it down into them as fast as possible. Let them do the damage. Kira McKeever, welcome to the show. I want to hear your thoughts on this this groundbreaking analysis from Ronan Steed. Yeah, look, you know, um, suppose you can't argue with the, with the scoreline and the performance of the date, but you know, they still play. I think the the way the modern game has gone, you know, they will go man on man, and you know, whatever side the ball's on, they'll press that side hard. And then the players on the other side that know they're not within that game will drop off and provide cover at the back. You know, and they'll get plus one back at some times. They'll get 13, 14 men behind the ball at different times of the game to slow the game down, something what Dublin's very good at. You know, so I wouldn't just be bell hent that they're this attacking brand and go man on man for 70 minutes because I think it's impossible. I think they've got the balance right, where if you could look back to this past couple of years, they were constantly filtering 13, 14 men behind the ball. Ahead of the ball, yeah. Yeah, behind the ball. And now they sort of, they've got the um, Pork Joyce and John Devley and the boys have seen they've got the balance right where they will press high up the pitch and provide cover at the back from the boys that are non, that aren't um, anticipating that um, press from, from the opposite side of the pitch. And it seems to be working well for them. They're able to close off space. And, you know, on their attacking front, you know, looking at them yesterday, they execute the basic skills well, you know, which is 
some inter-county players struggle with it at the present minute I feel um, you know it's their slick hand passing is always to point to the chest it's not down around their ankles it's not hanging up around the air and you know in that quality of ball the 30-40 metre we pop in front to the advantage of the forwards and then their ability to win that ball first time first touch you know, if you are a forward with the qualities that um, Galway have, the likes of Shane Walsh and that, and you're wrapping that ball up first time and having runners off your shoulder, it makes the game look so much easier. But on the flip side of that, something that you probably would um, come down thrown with that are, are have a good skill level as well, that just didn't happen for them yesterday. You know, it's taking them two, three um, chances to wrap that ball up, which allowed them cover players for Galway to get back and put pressure and make it a 3v1 situation and overturn the ball yeah no definitely well, like I mean the, the thing about <coughs> it is their skills are great but they're very skillful players and that was a bit of the criticism for so long under Kevin Walsh just let these bloody forwards you know get out there and play like Porrick Joyce was interviewed after the game and he says I always tell the lads they have to give a reason for the supporters to start following them our goal is to bring back the supporters and there's more coming out to support each day and I suppose they moved the game to Toome which is the home of football in Galway which was a, a good move as well I don't know I just think to put up 12 points like that against Tyrone like this isn't you know a division three team this is Tyrone this doesn't happen to Tyrone I want to discount the second half a little bit because of the two sendings off but we'll get to them in a minute but this is a clear the options the forwards have on the ball Conan like I mean when Shane Walsh runs out from full forward line and he gets the ball he's an option of runners off him he also has an option of turning around and Finnerty staying is still inside so there's two options and he's an option to take on his man like, you know, they always seem to have, they have options. Yeah. And that is a huge departure and a huge change in Galway, in Galway football. It, it looks easy to play in the team because there are so many options. Like, everybody is genuinely available. They're looking to become available. And I think you said last week about somebody who was in front of Porrick Joyce and turned around and kicked it back. And you were saying that Joyce wouldn't be happy about that. There was something similar uh, against Tyrone where somebody had the ball and they were about to come inside and just play a handy pass, which would have slowed everything down. And you could see it was just something like triggered in his mind, like, I can't do that. And he turned and went back forward again, suddenly a hand pass forward and he was going for, for the return. But it's also, it's a victory for conditioning as well, because they are they're super fit and their runs are hard and aggressive. And what that does, if you're running straight at a team, you're either going to get free because nobody's following you, or you're just going to take somebody with you and it's going to cause some sort of panic in Tyrone and... When everybody's doing that, it's it's making it very easy for the Galway boys to keep going forward. Yeah, no, it is. And the the, the, the the whole thing about kicking it in, we'll talk about this game a little bit more in part two. And you've played a little bit towards the end of your career in a full forward. You're impressive enough at full forward too, I have to yeah. say. But <laughs> when the, when you know that the, the tactics are get the ball in early, number one, the movement is much better because you know it's coming in. And number two, half forward lines make lovely angles off of the, the ball winner because they know it's coming in. When you're not sure if it's coming in, you're not sure about making runs. You get disheartened, do you know? And it looks like they're this brilliant slick forward line when they just know the ball's coming in and they're able to react to that. I think it's, yeah, I think as the bonds, they know the ball's coming in, but I still think it's uh, it's discipline from the likes of Shane Walsh and these boys in that full forward line that are disciplined the whole depth in the pitch. Um, probably from going back to my last couple of years at Armagh from playing full forward, you know, there's better forwards than the Armagh squad than me at that time, you know, um, but you know, they probably weren't as disciplined enough in holding deep where if they made that first run and the ball didn't come in, they kept going on at the pitch. And you know, it probably boils back down to my experience as a defender. Where does a defender not want to be? He doesn't want to be 1v1 in the six-yard box. So if you can hold that depth 
and be disciplined and make multiple runs from left to right rather than going straight. The wee areas will pop up and then it's the execution of the skill passing the boys at the pitch that if they can find them pops, you're winning that ball on, in around the D area and if you have runners coming off, you're in a sh- shooting zone where if you make that first run and keep going out towards the 45, that's where defenders want you to yeah, be. And you're losing the shape you're then. You're losing shape. Completely. What do we make of the McGeary sending off? Um, my thoughts on this are that, look, if you're going to... We've all been in a situation where we get the ball and we're turning and you kind of know, right, I'm open here to be to be burst. And you kind of want your player to open a lad when they get an opportunity like that. But my thoughts on it, when you go to get a lad like that, there's nothing wrong with it, but it has to be right. You have to catch him right. And he just timed it. I think it wasn't so much he timed it wrong, McGeary. I think that Brannigan saw it out of corner's eye and pulled his head back and got it in the jaw. It was probably a sending off, but completely accidental. Would that be fair? Yeah, I don't think I don't think McGeary meant to catch him, but at some point there is a responsibility on him to make sure he doesn't catch him in the face if he is going you to You have to him. hit the shoulder exactly. there or else you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. so don't, I think it was innocent enough. He was trying to hit him hard on the shoulder. But caught him on the face, and that's unfortunately for him. It's that's a red card. Kieran, enforcer, centre back might have a different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, um, there was no mal- malice in it from from Kieran McGeary. I think we we can all agree on that. There, um, do I think it warrants a red card? I don't. Um, you know, he committed fully to to a fair shoulder. Um, the goal player turned in towards him, and he accidentally caught him on on the side of the jaw, and that's something that. I believe that we have to look at it in the GAA. You know, you talk about VAR in, in, in the Premiership, and I think we need, in the GAA terms, need referees to get a second opinion of if stuff we got there. You know, because. Um, but do you think a second opinion would have changed that mind? Because like he could have knocked him out. Now I'm not saying it was intentional, but if say in soccer you go in with a sliding tackle and you're trying to get the ball and you're late and you take a lad out, you know. I think that's if you, a, I think if you if you watch that clip a few times and. Common sense is prevail. I, I think he gets a yellow card. Um, you know, we, we there's no malice in it. He didn't go with intent. He went for a first shoulder, which he's entitled to do in the game. And it was more or less the way the Galway player turned in that that made him hit his jaw. And just don't think that that it warranted a red card. It, in his defence, it wasn't him. Maybe I said he timed it wrong. He probably timed it right. It was that Brannigan saw it, and yeah. and as he pulled away, that's how the timing went wrong. Do you know what I mean? If he got a yellow. Probably you wouldn't have too many people at the game complaining. If you got the red, there wasn't too many complaints about it either. Think yeah. Maybe we'll sit, I'll sit on the fence. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, sorry, Kieran. Like I know you're a much tougher player than I am, obviously. But I just think we could be sitting here. And obviously, it's an extreme example, but you know we could have had a concussion, or you don't. You don't want to start letting that creep into the game. So I think it wasn't an elbow. No, it was a per- his sho- his shoulder was perfectly down by his side. Yeah, but he just needs to make sure he's not connecting with the head. Like, and, like I, I, I get it that he wants to go in and hit him and hit him hard, but you have to do it fairly. Like you can't can't be catching him in the head. Yeah. Okay. It's right. This, Ca- you know, it's the same as you're competing for a ball in midfield and you go to break it and you accidentally punch someone in the back of the head. You can knock them out at that stage as well. But does that warrant a right yard? Yeah, OK. OK, I'll take that one. <laughs> Carl McShane, um, it looks like he's going to be out for five months. He dislocated his ankle. That's the news this morning. That's desperate. Am I right or wrong? Like, ankle injuries are much more dangerous during the summer when the ground is hard, right? When there's a bit of give in the ground, usually that helps your ankle ankle injuries. Do you have that same opinion that it's unusual to get a bad ankle injury like that in really soggy ground like it is in Tume? 
Do I have that right or do I have it the, the wrong way around? <laughs> yeah, it was desiccated it, so I assume it was something... Oh, you did go over it badly and I had to rewind it. It looked nothing at the, at the, at the start. You're wondering what was going on here. Yeah, I know what you mean, like just a little sort of twist when it's a harder ground, it's easier to... It's easier to roll it on yeah. harder ground. On softer ground, usually the ground might move a little bit, you know, when you do it. That's what I always yeah, just, you know, probably from playing in tune before, like, you know, it's, it's a heavy pitch and there's a lot of um, hollow bumps in it, you know, maybe... Is there, yeah? Yeah, he could have had a debit, like, you know, so... Um, just unfortunate for him yeah no it definitely was because like I mean to get hammered like that and for him to be out for five months that's a huge any word on Conor McKenna is there, have you heard any news up there uh, Kieran, of uh, him coming back or is this only just people putting his home one and one together and getting 25 I wouldn't have too many friends in thrown now but, um, <laughs> no uh, no word um, haven't heard anything on the, on the ground you know but see Mickey Hart come out yesterday and said that you know he's going back to to Australian rules and that's that's his Bars and Ola. All right, okay. So Dublin beat uh, Dublin beat Donegal on Saturday night, and again, timekeeping. We've been talking about this a lot the last few weeks, and it came up again because when there was seven minutes extra time, and when the extra time is up, nobody knows where they're coming or going. They don't know is there going to be three added on? Is there going to be one? No, it's not transparent. At least when the extra time, you get the seven minutes, and the whole stadium, and the supporters, and the team management, and the players on the field. Most importantly, know it's seven minutes. Then you get into this twilight zone where nobody knows. So, anyways, the the talking point in that seven minutes was the John Small, Michael Murphy thing, which we'll get to in a second. Um, there was two minutes twenty seconds. That's what I counted. Ushi McConville said two minutes twenty three seconds, and he only added one minute. And Ushin said four. I had twelve. Anyways, neither here nor they lost. It paid Paddy Small and Dublin to do that because they gained a minute of that yeah. seven minutes. They, they were able to waste a minute. Now, that's not good enough because David Goff told us only last week that, OK, if there's two yellows, because Pat McEnany and David Goff, interestingly, differed on this. And it just goes to show Morris Deegan obviously differs on it as well. And then what was the referee in the Mead-Mayo uh, game? He played exactly the extra yeah. time when there was... He differed on it. So referees are not even consistent on this. How are players supposed to know? How is management team supposed to know? So it's not good enough. So... You have a situation where referees seem to be making it up as they go along. There was David Goff said that if it's a yellow, double yellow card and they're right beside you and you flash the two, take the name, you wouldn't add on time for that. But this was a situation where the game was literally stopped for two minutes, 20 seconds. David Goff says that's something you do add time on for. Like, it's a very frustrating situation. Yeah, look, um, you know, when you say, I think they make it up from day one, referees, anyway. Um, you know, the simple thing is, you know, is taking in a timer, taking the complete um, time off the referees, yeah. the way they have the buzzer in the ladies' football. And I think that's the only way we're going to solve that problem. Like, there's too much of a grey area, as we, as, as we see at the present moment. Why is it only coming up now? Why is, the, is it because so much added time is being added on for all the different things? You know, like, it's very rare that there will be a match now that there isn't seven minutes added time on it. You know, because this hasn't been a talking point until this year's league, has it? Yeah, suddenly it's just like they've got all the proper time now. They used to just say three minutes and they added that on. Three and there'll be never any issues. <laughs> yeah. Now that it's got long, it's nearly always six, seven, isn't it? Always now, whatever. Yeah, from. and it's under more scrutiny now because the, the games are closer and like all those out of time minutes are worth something. Like they really matter. And, and then all this, the substitutions well. tally up, what is it, an extra 20, 30 seconds, is it? Yeah, but that, no, Dave, we were under the impression of that, but David Goff told us last week that a, a substitution can take seven seconds 
or a team management can take the piss take 47 seconds he just adds on whatever the substitution takes you know rather than mm-hmm. saying or like if it's a double substitution he said it's not two twenties. the double substitution you're not you don't add on an extra 20 for it it's just whatever extra it takes you know for the player leaving the field to come off and the player coming onto the field to take his position that's what he adds on so like, you know obviously it's up around that area because we have we had six subs on each team which were 12 subs often poured in in the second half mm-hmm. where now they're down to five so it might be a little bit less but it's de- definitely incidents within the extra time and the cynical nature of how teams are trying to maybe game manage that or whatever it's, it's shone a light on it but that's it like, and like what two weeks on the only thing we're sure of is that that game management still pays off like it's it's worth doing it's worth getting into a fight in injury time it's worth bringing on subs it's worth lying down injured like yeah. you know it, it still pays off the refs aren't adding it on and it seems to me that the ref is inclined to allow a Dublin that extra attack or a Kerry Kerry got it against Dublin which was an interesting dynamic whereas a Monaghan might not get it Donegal did not get it they got less than a minute Kerry got over the time that he should have got for Clifford to get that free do you know so you have, you have a situation where a ref is in control of a time that nobody knows how much he's adding and he's in control of drawing this up if he wants <laughs> it's a farcical situation you're right like the obvious thing here is the clock yeah. and they won't do it you know it's, it's crazy stuff but I want to get on to this uh, I want to get on to this small Murphy sending off because like I mean we have uh, at Owen Mulligan tweeting right so we had a big Ulster kind of poor me situation which I'm going to get into with the 2v last night on League Sunday it was like you know this is always highlighted when it's Tyrone and it's not highlighted when it's Dublin. Oh, Mulligan tweeted the same thing. He says Dublin cynical as usual. Murphy took out from behind by the two by two men. No different from the Clifford incident, but it's okay. We'll brush it under the carpet. Now I think it was different in the Clifford incident because Small got sent off as well as Murphy, so he sacrificed himself and Murphy. Whereas the Clifford one, a sub came on, got a yellow and Clifford got a double yellow and it looked, that's unfair that he's gone and the other lads aren't. You know, so it didn't have that same kind of visceral, that's, that's an outrage. It's, un, you know, it's unfair. It's very obvious Small went out to get, uh, to stop Murphy. I think there's no doubt about that. You have to look at motive here. He had a huge motive to stop Murphy. Murphy had no motive. Why would Murphy want to get involved in that mess and when he's trying to equalise the point? That's obvious. Howard then came across and got involved. It was absolutely cynical. The question I have is, who doesn't say Dublin are cynical? Dublin are one of the most cynical teams out there. We know that from the All-Ireland final against Mayo when all of their forwards systematically jumped on Mayo defenders to stop them coming back up the field. Where's this coming from, Kieran? Like, I mean... Is this an Ulster kind of uh, paranoia that the, the knives are out for, for them more than, you know, a carrier of Dublin? I, I don't think so. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's probably interpreted in different ways, you know, when you get on to this on the game, you know, where if that happens with the likes of, you know, Armagh or Tyrone or, or Donegal or Monaghan do something similar to what Dublin did at the weekend, you know, there'd be certain um, personnel on this on the game that would call that nastiness um, not manly enough and stuff like that there where you know and on the flip side of that if where Dublin and Kerry do that you know it's known as good game smarts trying to close out the game and getting their team across the line you know and do I you think that is that a thing you see I haven't really noticed that but you maybe you notice it more than me I just I, you, you know, don't want to notice it really <laughs> Brawley, Brawley would never criticise Dublin if it's Brawley we're talking about he cheerleads them you know what I mean no, or, Kieran Whelan's the same Colin Rooks, like they're all the same like you know um, you know that you know, their interpretation is different when it's from an Ulster team compared to the likes of Dublin and Kerry. You know, and you know, it's 
every team has them. You know, um, you know, every team has, if you like to call it, enforcers. You know, you go back to probably that the Kerry game when Clifford kicked that point, equalised the game. The likes of Dean Rock went over and shook his hands. There's different personnel in each team where you know, you know, every team has them that will have players that will bend the rules and play on the edge. You know, and you know that's why Dublin are champions. Um, you know, they're five-time All Ireland winners because they have that rootless streak in them and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get across the line. You know, and John Small typified that on, on Saturday night. He played within the rules. He knew what he was was going to do and he knew the consequences that he was going to get a second yellow card and he's going to take Murphy with him. And, you know, and we can talk about X, Y and Z all we want. He did what he had to do to yeah. get, to get do you think? Do you think he's thinking I'll get Murphy sent off here or do you think he's just trying to make sure Murphy can't get up to... To get a score, do you know what I mean? And is that, you know, at at the start maybe he didn't think it would develop into what it was. He was just pulling because he's pulling them all night. Like yeah. he had him by the jersey all no, night. I'd say it was, you know, this, his first thought was, I can't allow Murphy to get on the ball here yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know Murphy was having an, an excellent match um, on on Saturday evening, and and his first protocol at that point was that you know if he gets his hands on the ball, it's a high possibility that he'll either get a free kick or generate a score to draw this game. And then obviously it developed into a tangle between the two. And once you get in the tangle between the two, the rule states that you know you're, you're going to get two yellow cards. It seems to be two yellow cards, regardless of who the aggressor the aggressor is. And can you believe after us, everybody complaining the week before about Clifford, both of them getting a the yellow, even though Clifford didn't look like he did anything. Morris Deegan goes up, and a, a, like I mean, an, an umpire can't tell or a linesman can't tell him who you know started that or what Murphy like Murphy was just minding his own business. He gives the two of them yellow mm. cards. What is he thinking? Yeah, but uh, but this is it. Like I think this is probably where the the paranoia comes from from an Ulster point of view. Is that I don't see what the difference was in either week. Whereas you think there was a difference because really small get, well what, like, you wouldn't have got it as annoyed because. Both players didn't get sent yeah. off, and plus Murphy's no angel either. Like Murphy could have gone early in the game as well. I think it was. I think that's why. Like I wasn't as enraged I'm, watching that as I was with the Clifford thing. The, the, the Clifford's not an angel. I really was like he didn't do anything wrong in the Tyrone thing. But I've seen him. I've seen him against Dublin. Like he, he loves a bit of a bit of back and forward as well. Him and Sean O'Shea. It's one of the things that impressed me about them. They're both tough characters, but. Like the, the like of this, I know Small got sent off, but Jesus Christ, every single day I would sacrifice John Small to get Michael Murphy off the pitch. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. and like I don't think Ben McDonald was sent off from Tyrone as a dog to get Clifford sent off. I think, like John Small, McDonald thought I'm just grabbing this boy now because, like you know, start a bit of badness, or I don't want him to get on the ball. Small's on the same, and like they both got a yellow card for it. Like if I was Dublin management team, I'd be happy. I'm not saying that was a tactic from Dublin. But that's probably where the paranoia come from then from Ulster that it's seen as a little bit different because the whole perception last week was Tyrone know what they're doing. They, yeah. They've done that. They poor David I d- Clifford. I do, think that, I do think with pundits and you have, maybe you have a point on this is that if a team plays football the way you kind of enjoy watching them you might analyse situations like that differently. You know what I mean? Like uh, Kerry and Dublin might play a brand of football that Colin O'Rourke might enjoy a little bit more so he would maybe forgive them of that a little bit it's not fair analysis you know either but if you've got a team like Tyrone who for the last maybe seven or eight years wouldn't have been great to watch you know unless their counter-attack game is working that you'd be a little bit more kind of 
Ah, what are they? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like, you know it, yeah, and the key thing is like this hasn't just come in over this last decade because um, you had Toronto, you know, competing Armagh competing, your Ulster teams competing over this last. I remember going to Crow Park in 2000 when Armagh played Kerry in the All Ireland semi final. First day was a draw. Um, Cahill O'Rourke gave Kerry a hard time that time, and in the replay, within say 15 minutes, Cahill O'Rourke was carried off. You know, so Kerry had identified in that week off that. He was a key target for them. He was controlling the game, and within f- um, fifteen minutes, the Moss was here, and the boys had him sorted. Like you know, so it's always been going on. Ah, look, it's this is but like I mean, Tyrone and Armagh back then were playing great football. Would you have found the analysis biased back then as well, or is it just in the last maybe eight nine years? Do you know of incidents? Because I th- I've, I think just that. Ulster counties have got bad PR from the defensive style of football that they played and people didn't like it and that style of football there's a lot of gamesmanship going on because it suits you to, you know to slow the game down and there maybe we've seen elements of diving we've seen maybe that goes on with other counties as well do you think that has fed into the maybe I don't know unfair analysis of incidents like that yeah it probably has you know and you go back to this whole def- defensive side of things yes you know there's no question about it that Probably also were the first teams to, to maybe go that um, proactive defensive with 10, 12 men behind the ball. Like, you know, and, you know, other teams are doing it, but you look at the likes of um, Jim McGuinness, he probably had it more structured than what previous teams have been doing, where they were filtering back, tracking men and getting behind the ball, where, you know, Jim McGuinness's um, time with Donegal, you know, we, I, I believe he done an excellent job with Donegal, because um, you go back to 2010, we played them in Cross McGlenn. And beat them by seventeen, eighteen points yeah. in uh, in a qualifier match, and then the previous in two thousand eleven he got them to an All Ireland semi final, and then they ultimately won it in two thousand and twelve. And he had more structure. You know, each player you and him were identified and where they had to be and what roles they had to carry out. Within yeah. a, within he brought the system. zonal kind of yeah. defence back. You know, where you head back in front of the ball and wait. Yeah, and so, you know that started and, that. You know, and, and Dublin, you know, have implemented that in their game as well. From the 2014 um, semi-final that yeah. Donegal beat them in the scene, you know that they had to get a, a, a structure, a defensive structure in place as well, and you can see them implementing that at different periods in the match. They they kill the game, slow the game down, they, they get a foothold in the game again, and they done it against Donegal on Saturday night again. Yeah, no, they definitely did. No, but it's definitely interesting. Poor Sean Patton. Um, Jeez, he had a great game and then made a balls of that. Like at inter-county level, it's unusual because Neil McGee was wrestling with uh, Mannion and he stopped wrestling with him. So he clearly got the shout from Patton to stand down and stood down to the side. So he, Patton's shout, he was wrestling Mannion, which, who wouldn't have scored if Patton probably hadn't have called it, and then just dropped it down to Mannion, who was completely free because Neil McGee had let him go. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was actually a, f- a free catch as well. Like he wasn't under pressure. McGee free catch. had Mannion out to the side, yeah. and did it end up was it McGee had batted it in, and then it sort of deflected off Mannion, and I think McGee was trying to reach for it, or anyway, one of them put it in. Yeah, but, it um, went in anyways. But yeah, as you said, we were like, Patton was unbelievable. I was starting to think, Jesus, this boy is he the best? Like you know, he started trying to get definitive answers, but. Yeah, that was just a it was a, a big cock up really, like in such a good game for him. Yeah, it was definitely unusual. Um, two more talking points before we get into the matches, lads. What are Mayo doing with Lee Keegan? Why is Lee Keegan playing cornerback? Why is a player of the year, the best wing back in the country, now stuck in the corner? Like you can trust me, I've played wing back, I've played cornerback. I know the game is changing now and cornerbacks go, 
but he's not the same threat. Like he's going, but he's not damaging. He's going and he, by the time he goes, a lot of players are kind of back. He's not able to break lines. He just, for me, Lee Keegan, unfortunately, just looks like another player now. Instead of a player of the year, what do we do about Lee Keegan? Isn't it unusual? Yeah, you know, it's, you've nailed it on the head there. Like, you know, from making runs from cornerbacks completely different from wing halfback you know because there's more times um, opportunities for players to get hands on you and stop that run where you know if he's penetrating from a wing halfback position or a centre halfback position or a mid, even a midfield position where he'd probably get more freedom in that area you know he's fit to break lanes he's fit to punch holes and get in the gaps to create that overlap for a score or get someone else in behind and um, you know and He's always been a go-to man for Mayo, and you know, and probably the present minute he's not that no more because he, he he's been he's been stuck in cornerback, and you know the game's developing right around that middle of the pitch. And he's without prob- him, yeah, without him, and he's probably thrown and thrown. Do I join that attack or do I stay cornerback? And he's probably caught in a wee bit of limbo where he can't. He is, and he looks a bit lost on the field. I think, like, yeah. I mean, he starts off marking Kieran Hughes. That's grand. Kieran Hughes goes out to midfield. Then he's kind of floating around. He's on Jack McCarran. He's on Shane Carey, and. Like, we're talking, okay, having an attacking cornerback is a good move now because most teams play a two-man full forward line and you follow out the other man and you have a kind of free role. That doesn't seem to be the role for Lee Keegan. Lee Keegan's in there playing as an orthodox cornerback. Yeah, and like, it's a good point that Kieran's making. Like, there's, there's more opportunity for boys to push him as he's, as he's going up the pitch. It's a longer way to go. And he's fast, he's explosive. Like, we know he's a good player, but what he did well from halfback was he timed his runs perfectly. He came onto the play when you weren't expecting him. Like, that, yeah. that goal against Dublin's a perfect example. He wasn't even in shot, and suddenly the net's rippling. Like, he just knew when to go because he could see the pitch. It is a completely different position, and that, that is his position, halfback. Yeah, he's a wing back. He's mm. a wing back. Maybe he'll go, maybe he'll, he'll go back out there, but it's completely. Why you would take one of your main weapons and make it into almost a weakness? Because he's not a cornerback for me. He's not. The way Conor Callaghan turned him that day, and I don't think he's a he's a he's a proper instinctive cornerback. Um, geez, descending the second yellow for Young Flynn again. The poor fella after being sent off against Dublin, and that was a harsh enough yellow too. It was just a bit kind of reckless. There was nothing in this, lads. But Kieran, it's it's interesting this one. Ryan Wiley dive now and that. Like, okay, he got tackled around the waist. He felt a little bit of contact, and he threw himself in the direction he kind of slightly was pushed. And this is a huge feature of the game now. Unfortunately, you almost can't tackle fellas now at a part in certain times in the game. Yeah, it was it was it was a not like you like to call it. You know, as a seventy five percent foul that we'd call it up north. You know, is the maybe stop that game at that present minute like you know and you could actually see that I don't think the referee was going to book him until Ryan Wiley complained to the ref and then you can see him checking his step and going back and then and dishing out the, the second yellow yeah. like, you know, but Ryan but, Wiley didn't need to fall there like th- that wasn't a tackle that knocks you that was just a tackle that you wouldn't like five years ago you just ride that and keep running he yeah. just threw it you know how to do everybody knows how to do yeah. what Ryan Wiley bought, did bought a free kick yeah he bought, bought a free, bought kick. A free kick. kick I wouldn't say Ryan Wiley was buying a free kick hoping he got him sent off because yeah. there's no one in the right minds would have thought that he was going yeah. to get a second yeah, yellow yeah I think that. he was just under pressure with the ball get himself a break yeah, yeah. getting the free was the I suppose the handiest thing for him to do but such a nothing free like it was a free but, but yeah. yeah that's it like they were just as you say 75% like it wasn't mm. you wouldn't have like bad an eyelid if it wasn't a free either like just no. weird so weird. weird and the poor chap like I mean you're trying to break onto a team that's two sendings off like already in four games yeah. like I mean it's just desperate for him and he was distraught but how do you there's no is there no going back on this accentuating contact 
you know, we've criticised Ryan McHugh, he's an expert at it. John Small is an expert at it. There, any contact at all, and if a player's running past you, if you tackle him anywhere towards the chest, suddenly they're getting whiplash and they're, they're going off their feet and flying back. Is there no, there's no way of going back on this now. It's just getting towards a game that's less physical. Is it that, you know, players are, are accentuating contact? I think, you know, um, it goes back to the referees and their officials. Um, you know, you're a manager, you're a player on, a, on an opponent team. You're always looking and analysing other teams prior to that match, okay, and trying to get matchups right. You wonder do referees do the same, you know, because it's the same players buying these free kicks week in, week out. You know, where, you know, I think if, if referee's doing his homework, if Armagh's playing Leash next week, you know, and he's doing his homework and he sees boys buying free kicks like that in previous matches, that he has that in his head. He that knows them, He knows yeah. that, but, you know, and I just don't feel maybe they're doing enough homework prior matches um, to, to try and identify that. And if they can identify that early in the first five minutes, then that cuts it out of the game. Do you think analysts have a responsibility here to highlight these kind of, like, that was just brushed the other night. So, like, Ryan Wiley wasn't exactly, you know, criticised for that. And he he deserved to be. And not singling him out. He's just one of, I would say, 30 different ones you would see. I think it was Niall Scully, Hugh McFadden was another similar one. Um, should we see John Small doing it? Like, you know, you know different, different lads. If that's not highlighted, it just becomes what do, does my head in in soccer analysis is, oh, but there was contact. But sure, did, did, was contact enough to knock someone down? Like, mm. just it's a contact sport. Mm. Like it scares me that we'll get to a point where this is brushed for so long that suddenly it's just in the game, and now and then we'll be sitting here in three years' time saying, "But Jesus, do his contact." There is a there's a fear seems to be amongst analysts to sort of call that out. Like uh, I was watching was it Air Sport that showed the Dublin game and uh, Ryan McHugh got body checked by John Small and Small probably thought he was in trouble, so threw himself down holding his head and <laughs> and they showed a replay of it in slow motion and. You could tell that all the people in the studio now know what's happened, but none of them mentioned it. And it was like, mm, but see the Bradley, just to come cr- together there, and, yeah. you know, and that's it. Like, and none of them call it out. Yeah, I think yeah. it goes back, boys, to the to the you know the video. I think that it's something we need to take in there, the Gaelic, and you know, we're stopping the game for 30, 40 seconds to a minute anyway to get these bookings and stuff done. You know, where if we can go upstairs and have someone on the radio saying, "I don't think that warrants a yellow card," or "I don't think that warrants a free kick." You know, and I think it's time that we move in that direction. Yeah. Do you, do you, how many of them could you do a half? Like, I mean, is this a case where you might be allowed one each and a half and a, a manager That's, has to decide? That would be yeah. a way of doing it, but you couldn't... I wouldn't... Jesus, I, you couldn't go up four, five, six times, especially in a second half where usually these things happen a little bit more. It would be just non-stop, right? I just think it's, if the referee and his officials are unsure, they, you know, they have to make the call to go upstairs. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, quickly, Leash had an eight-point uh, lead um, and they won by one. Armagh had an eight-point lead, went three points down <laughs> and then they drew... <laughs> I don't know what like I, I I don't know. Have you heard too much um, about the Armagh game? It's an absolute thriller. We know Armagh have moved away and they're playing a very direct, similar enough to Galway. And in turn, there's a risk and reward. You get the ball fast up the field, and your forwards try and hold their positions. You'll get scores. You're going to be vulnerable at the back. We'll talk a bit in a minute. Galway had Tyrone had four goal goal scoring opportunities in the first half, but Armagh are just involved in. Do you think maybe that feeds into their inconsistency a little bit? Um, um, it's hard to know what you're going to get from them on a given day. Yeah, um, 
I wasn't in Cusack Park yesterday with the under-17s all day Saturday, so I had to stay at home yesterday. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, you know, I'm, I'm sure Geezer wouldn't be happy this morning. Um, you know, they left themselves in a great position to, to go and win the game. And then, you know, at second half, Westmead scored 3-5. You know, and it's something that, you know, it probably buys down to a wee bit of inconsistency and, and um, close, closing out the game and no man to, you know, maybe do what a Dublin does. You know, we've run the pressure in that period after the first goal um, as me got yesterday. You know, get 12, 13, 14, 15 men behind the ball and kill that game for five, ten minutes, you know, and let you get a foothold in the game again and maybe hit them on the counter once or twice, which Armagh have serious pace in their team at the present minute. And I think they'll be capable of doing that and maybe tag on a point or two. But, you know, there's this perception in Armagh too where, um, you know, where we feel that you know we're too good to do that, you know, from from supporters' views, you know, that we're too good to play thirteen men behind the ball at different stages in the matches where, you know, it's getting the balance right, you know, throughout the yeah. game where we talked about Dublin does it, Gaul we're starting to do it now, you know, yes, we go man on man and we press high up the pitch and we kick the ball, but there's certain times in the game where game management has to be key and if that means putting 15 men inside your 45 you've got to do it Rory Grugan alluded to that with me before in an interview because remember Armagh were throwing away leads towards the end and he was like maybe towards the end of games we, sh- we need to calm down on the more aggressive kick pass in which are more higher risk of losing possession and maybe play a different style of football to close out a game that are winning by four points do you know and, what I mean that and, feeds and, into that same you know, thing and, and they've, they've got better at that you know, they've, been, they've got more better at that their um, game management side of things but you know, they'll be disappointed with yes there's no question about it knowing the group and knowing Geezer and his management team personally like they'll, they'll be hurting you know, and they'll want to rectify that this Sunday going to Brewster Park and you know, it'll be work for them on the, on the training pitch this week to try and rectify that. Yeah, no, it definitely will. And like, I mean, I think Leash should stay up. Um, should stay up now. They're three points off the relegation, and there's three games left. So Kildare or Clare, Kildare or Fermanagh would have to win two of the last three games. Two of the three, three of the three, to go past them. I can't see three of those three winning two out of three in the form that they are in. It's great news for Leash fans. I'm calling Leash safe already, lads. Maybe we should be looking at trying to get promoted. Uh, um, you're just assuming they're not going to get any more points either. No, that's the, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pessimist by nature, so I'm thinking the worst case scenario, if we don't win any more games, are we safe? So anyways, we'll leave it there. We'll come back and we'll talk about the games that were on telly. I've had fellas follow me, and not just car clubs, you know what I mean? Mm. It happens, it happens, yeah. and it does happen. But I'll tell you one thing, it's a lonely spot, and the best thing you can do is keep moving. And I thought Connolly looked to be trying to do yeah. that the last time. Yeah. The camera show it doesn't look great, yeah, there was, um, maybe if they could say it was theatrical or whatever, but like, the reality is that there was contact, and um, I wasn't trying to win a penalty, I was trying to go out and win the ball. You know, actually, it's funny, your man Conan, what's his name on, the, on your program, like, I, I was wondering if he had the same match as me. He was kind of making out dirty, but unlucky to lose. Like, Let's go. 
So Dublin won 15, Donegal 114. And Desi Farrell was interviewed after the game. He said, we had a poor start again tonight and that's something we'll definitely be looking at. We'll look at it during the week and have a discussion about it. Over the longer term, it needs to be addressed. Um, it looks to me, um, Kieran, that Dublin are there for the taking and nobody's able to take them. You know, like, I mean, the slow starts are a, a constant team um, and he said it's something that needs to be addressed I've been on loads of teams that have had one or two bad starts and it's not an easy thing to address. You have team meetings about it. You discuss your 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 bus route. You discuss your warm-up. You blame everything. Bar, you know. And in my experience, there's, no, there's nothing really that fixes it. It's just one game you have a good start and then it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a really weird one. It's, it becomes a thing you say you need to address it, but it's just how do you, what do you do to address it? Yeah, you know, uh, there's... There's no question they're, they're there for the taking. Um, it's look, it's still early days. Yeah. You know, they're, no, they're, I'm only saying in the league. Yeah, I'm not saying in. Yeah, you in know, um, no, I'm sure you know. No one does. He, you know, he's he's finding his feet. Um, so I'm sure the boys are just getting used to him as well. You know, and he'll want to try and put his own style and and implement stuff within the team. You know, pr- um, you know, outside of Jim Galvin's era. You know, so it's probably just going to take a wee bit of teething time from. You know, but you you go back to that game and. You know, there was probably two um, key moments or three key moments in that, in that game. You know, um, you know, you go back to Sh- Sean Patton's kickouts. You know, were, were excellent in the first half. You know, and they probably replicated the kickout that they done in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. You know, when Ryan McHugh got in behind from one of Murphy's flick and they ran that ball hard and you know coughed up a goal opportunity. And at that stage of the game, it was one three to not three. You know, and that puts a different perspective on the thing. You know, and then you go back into the second half, same again, replicated the same kick out, you know, which is worrying from a Dublin point of view that they got caught twice in the same match from that. And um, you know, at that stage it was one eleven to thirteen points and four V two. You know, you gotta be you gotta yeah. make that count, you know. And they got it to the right man as well, but yeah, wasn't, the, wasn't it so interesting with that? So the first one was Michael Murphy flick and it was Ryan McHugh. We've all seen that before. Mm-hmm. The second one was a similar flick, it was Owen Van Gallagher and Niall O'Donnell, who were the two making those behind. extra two, yeah. getting in behind. And Dublin are vulnerable to that. We know that. Like, yeah. I mean, but if the four on two, you work on them. But they did get it the right man. It was just too late. Like, yeah, Paddy McBurdy was on first and he didn't play it. But then, yeah, at that stage, then, Owen Van Gallagher never looked like he was not going to play it to the right. Like, do you know what I mean? He didn't draw Davy Byrne. He just, he just sort of yeah. looked out to the right you to know, Brennan and it was too slow. And that's the difference, you know, if Donegal put that in the net, you know, it's... It's a four-point game, and and we would have seen you know a different side of the game. You know, we would have seen our Donegal closing the game out. You know, rather than John Small and Dublin closing the game out. You know, so it's, every team has it, yeah. and I've no doubt if Donegal had went four up at that stage, we would have seen them being able to close that game out as well because you know they've good game management, they've good players on the pitch, and they have them enforcers on the pitch as well that would would be fit to, to, to do that job. Yeah, you'd have to say there were two good saves from Comerford. Like, good saves, but like, I think he had got the McBurty one right in the face. He stayed <laughs> down. Like, sometimes that happens goalkeepers where they just put their hands up and yeah. get it in the face. Maybe a, a bit more composure from McBurty, knowing it was four on two to dummy it. Like, you know, just think maybe not drive it exactly where Comerford thought he was going to drive it, maybe. The hand pass wasn't slick yeah, enough. Yeah. It was that yard behind. Just broke a stride, I think. He let, yeah, and the, the pass from Jamie Brennan back to McHugh probably was a little bit out to the right. Yeah. Sent him too far. Yeah, to get. I actually was looking at that over and I thought McHugh probably could have taken it around him, but in fairness to Comerford, he was on his feet and he was agile and he actually just stayed with him the whole way and there was no... 
side of goal for McHugh. Yeah. Do, do McFadden go all down there? They didn't, they didn't really analyse that at all. McFadden, Craig, poor Craig Diaz was following McFadden and as Murphy slid out to, to get that and it was great hands, he took Diaz out completely, <laughs> you know, it wasn't on purpose, he didn't do it on purpose, it was just the way he slid out. And then McFadden's completely free and he didn't want to shoot at all. It was just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he just kept Poor going man. forward and then he cut inside and it was a great finish because he hit it into the ground for a midfielder off his yeah. left. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, and that's, you know, Murphy's cute at that as well. You know, he's fit the shield. Once he pops that ball and someone comes in the loop, he's fit the big frame that he has. He can shield that player, that defending player coming round, chasing that man off, and it just gives that player that free couple of yards to drive in the space or else get that shot away, you know, and that's... And that's just game smarts, I think, yeah. from, from Michael Murphy. No, he definitely there were some great matchups, wasn't there? Small and Murphy was a great matchup. Kenny and McHugh was an unusual matchup. I wouldn't wouldn't have saw that matchup coming before the game. I wouldn't have thought McHugh would have been the right man to put on Kilkenny. He did all right on him. I was surprised Kilkenny tuned out for that. Kilkenny's such an analyst on the field, you would be surprised he would have let McHugh go, you know, for something that we know is a set move from Donegal. Ban Gallagher versus, Ma- versus Mannion, uh, Darrow Bwell versus Howard. There were some great matchups. Mm-hmm. Donegal have some good matchups for, you know, for the likes of Dublin. They do, and they've got set plays as well that, that keep teams. The set plays yeah. is when they were most dangerous. Kickouts, kickouts is when Donegal are the most dangerous. From the throw in of the second half, knock down into Murphy, lay off Kieran Thompson, point. Mm. Off a throw in, because all their forwards are up. Sometimes they frustrate me that from kickouts when they're set, with their forwards up, they're dangerous. From a throw in, they're dangerous. But then from general play, they filter too many forwards back and play a long hand, uh, possession game. And that allows Dublin filter back. You know, it's almost like defeating themselves by giving Dublin that opportunity. Yeah, even then, I think they're, they're trying to set up some sort of set play. It takes them a minute or something to get to it. But I'm even thinking back to uh, Comerford, in fairness, was another save. Pattern Mogan, I don't think it was on by the time Mogan had a shot, but... Um, like th- that sort of they had the ball for a long period of time they created that space and then suddenly they have that hard run inside because they see a, they see an opening so they're always trying to sort of get like create sort of control what they're trying to do and like the McFadden goal came from a sideline as well how often do you get a, a goal from a sideline like they just worked it and Got a bit of luck with Diaz getting to Yeah, there was another ball. It was from, um, I think it was Thompson picked out Murphy and he just got it on the turn and scored a point. Um, I don't know. I think Donegal are more dangerous doing that than their two minutes possession. When when you, if you slow the game, I think this is why Porrick Joyce won't allow Galloway pass it sideways or back. It's not that he won't allow it. He doesn't encourage it. Because as that happens, now you see Dean Rock. He's coming. You see the, the, the camera shot. And you see Donegal with a ball, say, in midfield. And then they go, right, we're going to hold possession. Now it could go back to the half-back line. Now into camera comes Mannion, comes Rock, and they're facing their men. And they're, you know, facing back out the goals. Now they're facing 13 Dublin men in there. And when you have 13 Dublin men in there, they're such a big, strong team. Is it, was it worth Donegal going back that time or should have kept going forward? Do you get my point? Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> I wouldn't say that they don't want to move the ball quick and don't want to move it fast. You know, maybe that at the period of the game where the game's throwing and throwing back and forward for maybe five, six minutes, you know, you see teams are, you know, where they get their hands on the ball and they nearly take that as an opportunity to fill the lungs again. Settle down. Settle down to get that pace and intent back within the squad. And I think that's, you know, where a lot of teams control that ball because they have a dented fight. You'll see them doubling do it. They make calls. They raise their hand. Say, this is a set play. We're taking a breather here. We're killing the game. And then we'll inject pace off where we want to and hopefully get them behind and get the score. And I think that's part and partial of, you know, it's not that they don't want to play fast. 
think maybe at times the match are right on their feet and they want to control that game and reserve energy and then go at the right moment again. Right, so it's just, it's just a matter of gasping for breath and saying here, you know, because Donegal, I'm sure, pride themselves on saying because they're so slick through the hands, they're probably saying, right, let's take a breather and Dublin are back, but that doesn't mean we can't score here. You know, we will work something. Like, I think it's it's a much easier score if you can keep going yeah. forward and get that one-on-one situation. But obviously these teams think, look, all right, we'll get the breather. Worst case scenario is we get turned over or something like, mm. you know, further up the field. And I don't want to be conservative, but when you're playing Dublin, like, do you, do you just play percentages? Do you want to kick it away or have a pass that's going to give them a chance? The, the the more that they don't have the ball, the better for you, obviously. Because if you're chasing Dublin, you're on a hiding to nothing. Yeah, well, that's it. Once you if you have the ball, but I, st- I don't know. I still think that over the course of a game, and I think Dub- nobody's really beaten Dublin with that running game. And the teams that cause the most problems have a good kicking game because Dublin will allow if you move it fast before Dublin have dropped drop players back, you'll get your one on ones. Yeah, and I don't think they're good at one on ones. No, so, um, and they could get goals against them, and you'll never yeah. beat Dublin without goals. I just saw Monaghan and Donegal thinking. Okay, I see you kicking it in sometimes, but I would like to see maybe a 70-30 split of the 30 being work it through the hands and get your breath back. Yeah, it's just getting the balance right about against them, you know, and, and I do believe the team that can probably hold three or four forwards up front all the time and get that kicking game against them will cause them big troubles if yeah. you have runners coming off it because pound for pound, I just don't think they uh, have good man markers and that's... Short and short. short yeah, I think Fitzsimons is a good man, Mark. He's, he's the best. He's yeah. the best to have. And, you know, you look at the legs. Johnny Cooper has been great, but he's been struggling this past couple of years. Philly McMahon's starting to struggle, you know, and I just think that they're vulnerable in that area. Um, you know, and they seem to rotate Fitzmaurice around to maybe two or three different forwards and on any one game, you know, so yeah. that's the sign and that they don't Owen, have reserve. Owen Merchant as a cornerback is there for the taking yeah. with a certain, you know, Size of player. He looks like a different player. We've talked about this before, but like he looks like a different player when he's playing in the fullback. He's not an orthodox cornerback. He's yeah. not. He's absolutely not. No. It's a, it's it's not right on him. So that was it. So Donegal had some good play. Um, you would maybe like I don't know. Would we like to see them play a little bit more of the kicking game than than the possession based game? Would that be fair enough? Like to cause Dublin a little bit. The, the most the most problems they caused Dublin was was when they got it in a bit earlier. Yeah, you know, I think they have changed since Declan Bonner has come on involved. You know, and you know, said would we be talking about this if Ryan McHugh had to score yeah. that goal and Paddy McBurry had to score the goal and Patton hadn't dropped the ball? You know, we'd be talking probably about how good they were kicking the ball. You know, so it's it's getting the balance right and. You know, I think Donny Donny Gall's in a really good place. Um, yeah, and know, they're missing a lot of players, missing a lot right? Of players, you know, yeah. so you know, I think they'll be a force to reckon with come I later th- in the year. I think Donny Gall have the personnel to beat Dublin on their day along with maybe Kerry Galway who else have them on their day you'll say Armagh I don't <laughs> think you're there yet but as in we're closing the gap you're closing the gap but if if you look at players it's like I always say to beat Dublin you might need three goals how will you get three goals by getting it in like Galway Donegal even like Armagh could easily get three goals even if they don't beat Dublin you have to do that or you yeah. won't do it and it, if you don't see evidence of that you're like this running game has been tried against them and it doesn't really work mm, we need defenders as well and like what Donegal <coughs> did really well was that they, they stuck with their men so normally because Dublin throw the ball around so much and they come out in the loops you can be guilty of following the ball and then that's when men get free but Donegal just religiously stuck to their men no matter who was coming on the loop or who popped it off they just stayed with them they had a responsibility and they had the free men as well that were able to, to back it up I don't know like I just again as Kieran says if they had got those goal chances if Patton doesn't drop it 
Donegal probably deserved to win that match. Yeah, no, I think they did. And I think Dublin are kind of sleepwalking. And maybe it is... A, it's a, like, they're taking shots from places. You Brian Howard took... A, or Brian Fenton took a shot in the first half from way out in the right into the goalie's hands. That would never happen. Yeah. Mannion... Now, OK, Mannion's a bit of a free spirit. He's always tried yeah. the odd one. Kilkenny in the second half took one from out on the right-hand side. These are not usual percentage mm-hmm. shots that they usually take. Maybe... The, maybe... The, I don't know. Maybe that... Are they not as in fear of Desi as they might have been yeah, of Jim? You know, and it's the same, like you know, from 2014, they never got caught with a kick out like that again until Saturday night, you know. And you know, you just wonder is there lapse of concentration there by players and maybe a wee bit of arrogance, you know? And yeah, but you know, that could come to tell the tale, but I don't think we'll find out till semi final stages because not and Lancer's going to um, hurt them. No, and, and it, but even on that though, even a small thing on. The start's a problem. Just we're not starting well. We're not starting well. We're not. Jim Gavin would never say we're not doing something and it not get fixed the next day, would yeah. you? This is four games now that we're not starting well, and Desi's kind of like, well. That's something that we need to work on. That's not. That's not. Mm. That's very unusual from what we're used to from the five in a row team. Now this is just a theory, but is it something to do with the fact that they have won five in a row? Well, I said that to Johnny Cooper. There's there has to be a natural relaxation, and that Jesus, we've just done something yeah. that no one's ever done. And you'll say all you want, block that out, block that out. The neck we want six, six ain't the same as the five in yeah. a row. And for five years, every team in Ireland have been looking up to Dublin, and that's the standard, and we have to beat them. Like every, all we talk about here is how to beat Dublin. And they can't, no matter what they do, they can't go out in a game against Donegal in the league and be at the same pitch as them to start off. They might get there eventually, which they, they usually do in fairness to them, but they can't start the game at that level because how could they? Yeah, no, exactly. So we've kind of talked a little bit about Galway Leds and their brilliant um, play up front. Like, I mean, there was a couple of, there was a couple of, uh, we'll get on to some top performers from them um, in, the, in the next part. But there was like, the, I think it was um, Ronan Steed's first point where the ball was into Shane Walsh and he just let it go past him. And that beautiful. Yeah. No, but that's just, but he couldn't do that without knowing there's someone running off him. And like, I remember the first ball McShane got and because Tyrone only play McCurry and McShane inside and then it's a good kick pass into McShane his first ball he got he was surrounded by three lads and it was turned over his second one he got in the corner and he had nothing around him only Kelly standing in front of him he tried to take him on and Kelly blocked him and turned him back you just don't see that from the Galway forwards because you don't have to take on your man all the time because there's options all the way around you and that's the great thing it's actually Gaelic football the way I played it wing forward she's let it into the full forward I'm going to make I'm going to time my run now I'm gone off him at an angle or you're playing in the corner forward right it's coming in I'm going to cut across him you see Varley Shane Walsh gets the ball he just pops it off or Shane Walsh comes out wins the ball gives in to Finnerty Varley's running off him at an angle over the bar Shane Walsh gets another ball holds it up for a minute or two waits Comer's watching it makes an angle run gives it to Comer over the bar Michael Daly the same when you have options, lads, tr- when, in, it's you know from playing full forward, when you get the ball full forward, you've no options, you're gone. Like, you, you, you're, you're actually gone. You don't look like you know what you're doing because you, your only option is to take him on. Whereas if you've got a hand pass, now you've got a hand pass option, you've a take him on option, you've a dummy solo option, the back doesn't really know what to do. Do you know what... I don't know. I think that enough, so many teams haven't been leaving enough forwards up there and... The, the good thing about Galway is that Finnerty never comes out too far. Walsh will swap with Comer, but there's, oh, number one, when you come out and win the ball, there's always an option, turn around, give it inside. 
Finnerty will be that lad. You've always you've always an option of someone running off you. You've always an option to shoot yourself, or you've always an option to take on your man. When in the last eight or nine years have we been saying forwards have had you know those four options up front? Yeah, but having them options, it it makes a defender think differently. You know, if you know McNamee, brilliant fullback for Throne, but when Shane Walsh was winning them balls out in front, and he had runners coming. McNamee was probably caught in two minds. Do I go to press Shane Walsh hard here or do I step uh, in case he feeds it to the runner? And it just puts that defender in doubt for that slight moment. And that slight moment, you know, if you flick that ball off to a runner or you get that half yard to turn and shoot yourself, it's, yeah. it's a different game. And it, they are very lucky in that they have Shane Walsh, right? Because he, he was looking for the ball even with Kavanaugh's uh, covering him and I remember mm. it was for Colmer's point he sucked three Tyrone lads onto him it was Kavanaugh including Kavanaugh and gave it to Colmer and like Tyrone have some extra defenders but they don't have that many you know <laughs> yeah. like on that side of the field so like I don't know I think that Galloway are in a very good place I think obviously look, it's still the league and it's boggy ground and we don't know but I do think that it is it is very refreshing to watch a team that He's just going forward all the time. It's like it's just you're relentlessly yeah. trying to attack a pace. And it's keeping defenders honest. Like I think you put out a tweet yesterday saying they have six scoring forwards and if you add in steed to that, that's that's seven. So defenders have to they ha- they have to be aware of every single player. Like Michael Daly dropping that shoulder on Ronan McNamee. And McNamee feels like he has to go with the dummy because he could turn and put it over. And then he just puts him on his heels and goes past him and puts it over. That's a wing forward. It's only Stephen O'Brien, really. We've seen him the last few years doing that from wing forward. So the fact that Galway have that from all over the forward line yeah. is scaring the backs. And like, how often do you see Colin Kevin and leave in that area? Because Shane Walsh has gone out there and he's looking for space no matter where it is. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. No, I think it's the options that they have. And like when you look at Tyrone, like Tyrone are playing Conor Myler, Frank Burns kind of as forwards and they're dropping back. Frank Burns and Conor Myler can never play like Brannigan or Daly because they're just not, you know, natural forwards. You'll never be slick unless you pick, like Armagh are slick because they they play forwards. Yeah. Like Backs can't be slick forwards and that's the reality of it. True, that's true. Yeah, you know, and you know, you have Shane Walsh up there as an exceptional player, probably hasn't got the credit that he deserves over his past number of years, you know, but, you know, he's one of them players that you'd pay money to go to watch. Um, remember the material end of our international rules stuff and um, picking him up in an in-house match one Saturday morning and you know you're trying to cut off angles and trying to block his runs and the next thing Jesus pace he has is, is, is frightening oh it's frightening it's frightening like you know and remember you know I didn't have much pace to start off with but I could always cut off angles and I remember going to myself something something has to change here you know so um, you know he's an exceptional player like you know and it's great to see him playing inside I think that's where he's most dangerous um, I think he's a better option in there than Comer to have that balance right where Comer he's more variety to his more, play yeah, in yeah. There. and you know and if he holds that depth and his discipline that's the last place as a full back you want to be is 1v1 with him in there yeah and the, the, the great thing about the two of them is is that Shane Walsh breaks out to win a ball and he gives it in he might stay centre forward and Comer's in you know they're, they're, him and Comer especially are, are swapping and if Comer lands in there like you'll make a plan for him if he's always in there but if he just lands in there and someone follows him in that's not you know really yeah. suited for him that you know he got the goal with it was a mismatch against Crone uh, cornerback who was it um, I can't think or the penalty rather not the not the goal where he took he took him on and uh, just Completely went Through past, him. Pace, yeah. but if that's if 
it, that's just because Comer's not always meant to be in there. You know, there's yeah. just someone marking him that might not be suited to him. Peter Hart standing in there with him going, oh, lads, somebody give me a hand here. <laughs> but what's happened, Peter Hart? He's a shadow of a player. Like, he's actually a not... He's, he's gone back so far that I don't know... Like, last year, he wasn't great. Jeez, I'm watching him there. He doesn't know whether he's coming or going. Is that, am I being too harsh on him? Or is he completely lost as a player? You've always been out for Peter Hart, though. Oh, well, I think he's, he's in big games, I don't think he's been yeah. as good as other players that have his reputation. But he just doesn't look like he's... I don't know. I, think, I don't think Tyrone's style of play is suiting him at all. Because he, he doesn't know whether he's meant to be dropping back into his own or getting back up. Or is he holding? Or, yeah. It doesn't seem to be in the game. Like, I, know it's, I know it's early, but their style of play does look a little outdated and they, they just look sluggish in general and like you know McShane obviously was his first start the other day and he's, he's gone off injured after 40 minutes so and no Matty Donnelly so it's probably hard to look good there for Peter Hurt when he doesn't have these sort of focal points to play off which yeah. is what he, what he feeds on I, th- I think they're, are they stuck between trying to get out of the defensive game playing a kicking game having Donnelly and McShane in there as their preferred kicking game, not knowing whether to have a, a presence on the half-forward line, you know, having too much of a gap. Now McShane and Donnelly are not there. What does Hart do in this situation? You know, are David, I was saying last Thursday, Tron are a little bit confused. Is it they don't have an identity as a team anymore? Yeah, look, you know, they probably, you know, you look, go back to last year, they tweaked it and, and used Matty and Donnelly and McShane in there as a, a focal point to kick the ball down and they got great success off it with the runners coming off with Sludden, Petey Hart and yeah. the spies they got there coming off it, you know, where them two players aren't there now. Um, you know, nobody knows when Matty's going to be back with that um, bad hamstring injury and now um, Cahill McShane picking up a, a bad injury yesterday and I think they'll have to revert back to tape again, get numbers behind the ball and run and they're all too similar. You know, Sludden, McCurry, and these boys that, you know, they have great pace, they have great ball skills, but they struggle to break tackles when they don't have a vocal point there to work off. I think that, um, you know, without them two boys, Cahill McShane and Matty Donnelly inside, that, you know, they don't have another player in, other players in the panel that's fit to do that. They might fire um, Richie Donnelly in there when he comes back as well, but he's not the same presence as the other two boys. No, no, he's definitely not. That's the thing. Without the two lads, you're right. The only thing they have left is to stick to the running, you know, to go back to that running game. That running game will get them to an all-earned semi-final, but it won't probably get them... Well, it got them to a final, I I suppose, but I can't see them beating Kerry or Dublin with that running game. It's too obvious. They know what they're... They know what's coming. There's no... There's not enough variety to it. Um, Yeah, okay, lads, we leave it there. We'll come back with performance of the weekend next. Doherty was a fantastic analyst, and I mean, I really heed what he would say in your program. I think, I think Tyrone are going to win. I'm going to go with them. I, as much as I, I predicted Dublin to win the All Ireland at the start of the year, I just think Tyrone are going too well. They're unaffected by the other team, too well set up. I think they've been preparing for Dublin for two years. They're ready for them. I'm, I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Alright, performance of the weekend lads and Shane Walsh has to be mentioned 1-8 there's not much left we can say about him what he's doing is just phenomenal I think what sums him up is in the second half he scored a free from the left hand side with his right foot off the ground and he scored a free from the right hand side with his left foot now these are like wide on both sides off both feet Outside of Colin Corker, I can't remember any player hitting freeze off the ground. And Corkery wasn't as good as Shane Walsh. 
Um, there's no doubt about it. this is he's just a phenomenally gifted player and it was a funny I remember we talked about him before and Ray Silk was telling me about him that he, he managed him in school and he coached a, in my, it was in Jarlitz and he used he send the lads go over and practice on your on your bad feet now and Shane Walsh came up to him and like just kind of innocently sorry sir but what I don't know what side to go to both <laughs> 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 of my feet are the same like it's, this is a phenomenal uh <laughs> Just a phenomenal ability this lad has. And he is up towards the Clifford stand. I do think Kevin Walsh didn't help him the last five years because, again, you don't have options. Shane Walsh inside, stranded, has to take his man on. Good defenders, right? I'll shadow him. He's going to take me on. There's no other option for him here. And now that he has the options, defenders are bamboozled. They don't know how to deal with him. Yeah, he's um, an exceptional player. He's great bonds. You'll seen him yesterday. He's going down the side like solo off right foot off left foot and people hanging off that's showing off is it? that's Muggsy that's low, but it's unusual <laughs> yeah. for him to just go, switch left and right just solo and just for, maybe he soloed on his left when no one was on him and then when McNamee was on his left he went over to his right yeah and then he you know, and you know, if, if you're a defender there you know you're deceptive to in, engage with him because you know the bonds he has if he steps one yard he's getting a shot away like you know and you're trying to shadow there and um, trying to get help in round you okay someone else to come in and double up you know and as you said earlier on if, if he has options he wins that ball and he has options you know it's much more easier for him like you know and then he can either feed the, feed the player coming off his shoulder or else get that half a yard to shoot himself and you know he's, he's dangerous and he's probably more suited to that full forward line than what he had been pre- playing in previous back and half back lane picking up ball and running from deep like. yeah and he suppose he 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 was he was effective doing that because he's so fast and mm-hmm. he knitted one to the other but it's just such a waste it was it's just such a waste of his uh his quality Sean Bugler continues to impress one off the right one off the left in the first half the left was a really tight angle so we know he can score off both feet we know he can score from angles what impressed me most in the second half he I think it was trying to in the lead up to a Kilkenny point or a wide from Kilkenny Murphy hit him with all he had and he shook him but he didn't he didn't knock him which I thought was probably his most impressive thing of the whole night because I'm sure you know when Murphy hits you you, you, you feel it does Murphy know how to tackle with an open hand or is it always just with, is it all, are you always getting a fist yeah look you know it's, it's funny I remember you know before McGinnis came in you know you used to bully Murphy really yeah you know remember Miss Brandy Donaghy used to always pick them up would have bullied him I would have been in around Brandy you would have been fit to push him about and then since Jim McGinnis came in that whole thing changed in Donegal you know remember the, the following year we played Donegal and we tried to rough Murphy up again I remember me and Brandy speaking on the way home in the bus going, he's a different animal, like, you know, and he's continued that since McGuinness's era. And a lot of the Donegal players have, you know, you used to be able to push them about, but when Jim McGuinness came out in, like, you know, he changed that psyche. You know, they got more rootless, okay, and had that wee bit of bite between their teeth. And, you know, and Murphy's an exceptional player and he's at his best when he's when he's aggressive. Oh, when he's nasty, yeah. He'd when he's When you'd push him about, what would he do? Just, oh, ref, or whatever, whereas the change came then where you were getting it back. Yeah, you needed your gum shielding, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, where previous years, you know, he would have been complaining to umpires and, and referees, but, you know, when Jim McGinnis came in, that changed, and you just had to make sure you had a gum shield in your mouth. That's how you <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, that's interesting, because yeah. you, you we know him nearly... More 
most of his career with under since McGuinness had him that yeah, he's even, just like Charlie Lacey that time as well like you know he took an extra edge his game and Jim McGuinness come in you know the McGee's always had it you know Lacey stepped up to the mark you know them boys got extra bite got got more aggressive and became more ruthless from that Jim McGuinness here and you know and they're carrying that through and I Murphy's at his best when he's when he's in that form like, you Yeah, know. no, he definitely is there's no doubt about that Conor McCarthy, uh, Conan like I mean he seems to have taken his game to another level again maybe benefiting from not having to drop back into zones and maybe getting a bit more freedom to play up front or to get the ball in in more dangerous areas mm, and that, that goal he scored like I've, I've never seen you see Aidan O'Shea pulling him but he, he goes with the pull rather than trying to get away from it he, Aidan O'Shea sent him in, the, in yeah, the direction he didn't want to send him he went with it like rather than trying to like, scramble off him and it actually was classed the way he sort of pirouetted around him and I think there were three men he beat and yeah. Bernie finished he, look, he looks like the, the player that we've always expected him to be and it really does show, like you know, different systems suit different players. And That's it. Different coaches. Because like. he he was in danger of going. Geez, he's good with UCD. Hmm. He does. Is he lacking a bit of you know bottle for? Ch- I don't know. Is his bottle is fair? But he just. I'm looking. at him going. When's this lad going to show what he's made of? And it, it's true. System depends on the system. He, that might not have suited him. Yeah, you know, you probably you know you always want to use his his qualities from. Um, Monaghan Miners, Monaghan on the 21s, and you would have seen glimpses of that through Marty O'Rourke's terms as well. When he glimpses, yeah. Glimpses, you know, where now, you know, he's probably that wee bit older, he's more mature now, and he probably, you know, is more, I wouldn't like to say, focused on the game now, you know, where he's he knows himself now where he has to make a stamp on the, a stamp on the game and, and be a star or and be a consistent player for Monaghan. And, you know, and to the to date, to the start of the league, he's really stepped up to the mark. He has. I didn't realize he was as fast. At that, that point, he scored the hand pass point. Like, I mean, he mm. took on. Um, I'm not sure who he took on from a standing position and, right, and Plunkage, yeah, yeah, centre. Yeah. He was he was following him, took him on from a standing position and just went past him and looked like he had a real bit of pace nice. as well, which you never would have seen. Pace. Really. Yeah. Jeez, you see, you just don't see this. Like he's on, he's on the outside of a screen and he's just keeping it moving. And you know he's not playing. He's not playing to his strengths. And then he might play inside, but McManus is the main man in there. And he's ne- you know. And then maybe his confidence suffers because of that. And he's like, you know, someone starts warming up and he's worried that it's him. And he's just you know he's not. He, centre forward seems to when he was with the Monaghan Miners was he centre half forward was that, is that is that his best position? Can you remember or? It would have varied probably between centre forward and, and corner forward, you know. But you know, as you said, when you're standing in there beside Manzi, you know, and you're looking out the pitch with the ball in your hand, you ain't you're, getting you're it. You go to Man's Manzi, <laughs> like you know, if he makes that first run, you know, and you know, and probably out around that half forward line gives him that wee much more freedom because boys are going to double up on Manzi, you know, with his pace, he's fit to throw a jink and generate pace and get them scores yeah. yeah no definitely Ronan Steed got three from play lads um, he was taken off in his first two games at half time and um, we don't know if they were tactical or was he playing it never stood out to me that he was doing anything awful to be taken off at half time but to come back with three from play in the first half um, you know like long range scores are definitely his forte from watching Cara Finn we know that and like you said Conan like you, you talk about six scoring forwards. You can add him in there as a scoring midfielder, long range. So if your if your support runners have all gone past you and you still have the ball, stick one out to the forty five to Steed, yeah. and he might curl one over. And it's, it never seems to be much effort for him. He's like sort of tapping it over what we would do from twenty yards out, and he's doing it from forty five, fifty yeah. meters. It looks so effortless. He's it's, a boom of a yeah. ball. Yeah, he definitely does. And then I suppose, you, like I mean, you have half, you have McDade in the half back line who can score. We know Silk can score. 
Um, do you know and Gary O'Donnell can score Sorry, as well yeah. and then he has Johnny Heaney who likes a goal in cornerback lads I'm all about Galway I'm sorry I'm unapologetic <laughs> yeah. for it I'm all about Galway I just really enjoyed that that first half of football Shane McGuigan on fire again Conan 1-3 from play 1-7 he's averaging 1-7 a game here at this stage now I know he's not a Division 4 player but look he's still a uh, Division 3 player sorry my fault Division 4 <laughs> last that right, year. Yeah. Division 3 yeah he's more credit so in Division 2 that might go down to maybe 1-4 <laughs> but 1-7 uh, you know he's going well Division 3 is really interesting there's 4 teams and 5 points after Cork we predicted that was going to happen yeah they're your uh, third just behind Longford on goal difference but they still have to play Cork which is the the problem could you just Cork could be qualified though. You could get when do they play Cork? Oh, you know? I'm not sure actually. But yeah. um, I Cork think are true. Cork will be true after their next game. Yeah, so after, after they play Derry. <laughs> <laughs> after they hammer Derry. Um Cahill Craig got one three in Newbridge. This was a great win for Roscommon um to beat Kildare in Newbridge, because this is one of those traditionally difficult places to go. And Kildare's away form is dreadful and they're in general their home form carries them through because they're very good in Newbridge. Um it's a tight, small pitch. And, you know, they were in control in the second half and Roscommon came back. This will give Roscommon a massive boost. And, you know, in turn, Kildare. Imagine, Kildare too good to go down. Yeah, you know, um, you're, you're chatting to anybody from down around home. Um, Fermanagh, they reckon Fermanagh should have beat them in the first game of the season up in Newbridge. They had uh, them on the rack, all right. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, Armagh put them to bed easy in the athletic rounds a few weeks ago and just... Haven't been impressed with Kildare at all. Probably haven't been impressed in this past number of years. Um, for you know some of the personalities on the squad, um, they just seem to, in my eyes, they seem to run down a lot of blind alleys at times with the ball. And you know, and they're big and they're strong and they're physical, but they struggle when teams come at them with the ball. Yeah, struggle. Yeah, yeah I thought Jack O'Connor would have got a bigger kick out of them. I'm not going to lie. Definitely, like I mean, I had them as one of the favourites. I tipped them and our to come out of Division Two, and now like, I don't know. Like I mean, is it Carmash possible? Should have scored the, five goals against them that night in the Atlantic That night, yeah, that night, bizarre. And that was alarming. Like against Roscommon, like Roscommon just kept just cutting right through them, and they were chipping them over from twenty yards out, thirteen yards out, and it seemed like once they realised that Kildare were going to let them through that Roscommon got their tails up and everybody just started going at them straight through the centre it was yeah. scary it was too easy to win. and in fairness though in Kildare's defence the penalty was well outside the penalty yeah, area you know like that was harsh you know the, yeah and that was there was what point or two points in it at that yeah, time yeah and credit credit to credit to Roscommon though because like I mean they did they did win or they did beat uh, Kildare in in a game, if you're being honest, you wouldn't have thought they were going to beat them. I think they went five they went five down, didn't they? At, the, at one stage, yeah. definitely three before the goal. Grode McKiernan, this is one of the greatest comebacks of all times, Cavan. Oh my God! Like I mean, if anyone told you that Cavan would be sitting pretty at the top of Division Two after round one, after Armagh destroying them, Grode McKiernan got five. One one of them included a mark. Um, he was playing at centre half forward. Mickey Graham said after the game, the obituaries were written already after the MI game, and the headstone was on our graves. Have to hold my hands up and say I was one of those. Uh, <laughs> I was one <laughs> of those people. I don't think that was fair. Sorry, um, it was a bad night at the office for us, but it opened our eyes, and we knew we had a good bit of work to do to get back on the horse. This has been some turnaround considering they were uh, dreadful that night against Armagh, and they're missing. You know, so many of their leaders are gone. Yeah, you know, you go back to the last year, you know, they're missing their spine of their team, basically. Um, Killian Clark, McFitty, and these boys, and, you know... Minahan. Minahan as well, you know, and I was, I was at that game that led grounds, the first National League match, and, you know, it was a 13-point defeat for Calvin, 
which was, was good to them. Armagh had numerous opportunities to put the ball in the net and took fisted points instead. Um, you know, when Gerard, um, McCarron and them, them boys looking ominous that night. They didn't look interested. They looked leggy. And, you know, you're probably leaving that letter grounds that night saying the writing's on the wall for these boys, but you have to give them huge credit the way they've turned it around. And, you know, and they'll have their neb up now going on down the home stretch of the, the, the National League and see themselves in a promotion hunt. And yeah. They definitely are. They're absolutely in a promotion hunt, which is incredible. Um, they ha- see, they have a good squad. They have a lot of those players from all those under-21 teams. Like, they might not be getting... Like, they probably have a good, you know, um, choice of players to pick from down the level. You know, do you get me? At a good yeah. level, that's one Ulster's maybe at, at a certain certain age group. I have Limerick down on their own, lads, as uh, performance of the weekend. They scored 5-10, hammered, hammered uh, Wicklow. All 5-10 came from play. Three of defend, defenders scoring goals now, not having seen the game. How how would we analyse that? Is this just a defensive game that they're getting up or is this, are these attacking from everywhere? How do three defenders score a goal, three, a goal each in a game like that? Well, I remember we were talking about Ian Corbett at the start of the season. Well, Corbett got one. That goes without exactly, saying. That yeah. goes without saying. So he, I, I imagine that all the defenders are just playing like he is, <laughs> just going straight for goals. Yeah, so that was, that was interesting. I was actually... Asking, I was asking Cheddar on the hurling show, and I was asking, I can't remember who else it was asking, but it was like, say, a Division 4 team who it was Billy Lee, the Limerick manager last Thursday. How you motivate players that lose, you know, nearly every week? And you see Waterford beating Sligo, um, it was their first win. And it's just like, keep the head up, lads, you're doing the right things, it'll come good. And they're hearing this, and they're losing, and they're hearing this, and they're losing, and then bang, they win. Imagine the confidence they get. You know, it's kind of like reinforcing, we are doing the right things, now we've won. Because Limerick came out of nowhere last year and beat Tipperary in the championship. Now, they went bad, down badly to Cork um, the next game, but then had a good, very good performance against Westmead and lost in Cusick Park. Now, this year, they've come back, won the McGrath Cup, won all four games. Do you know what I mean? It, and this is after losing some players. They've some, some players, including Billy Lee's son, Jamie, left after the Carlo game. Losing players... And still playing well. I, does a, maybe a spark is just lit, uh, Kieran, or something like that with maybe some of the weaker teams. Yeah, look, you know, and you probably see the probably see an incentive there. You know, after a good McGrath Cup um, campaign, that you know they could see an opportunity of kicking on in Division Four, and you know probably have watched what Carlo did there in the past number of years coming out of it. You know, and probably unlucky to get relegated out of Division Three last year. You know, they probably seen that as incentive and said, if we get our house in order here. And everybody buys in and rows in behind each other, and we play to the way we're meant to play. That we have an opportunity here of, of getting out of this division. And yeah, they're on the right course at the minute. You see a lot of the teams in Division Four playing defensive styles, and that's understandable because what kind of I can't understand is see Galway against Tyrone. Galway will go for it in the National League. I don't think I think every team should go for it a little bit more because every team is playing. Okay, fair enough. If if uh, Leitrim are playing Cork. They're in the same division, but you get my point. In Division 4, they're all playing each other, but those Division 4 teams know in the championship they have to practice a system that's going to compete with the bigger, you know what I mean, with the bigger teams. So it's understandable. But in the actual league, you should probably see more teams just go, right, well, you're not that much better than us. I don't really care about you. Like, I see we've three forwards that are better scorers than your lads. Let's just go out and try and beat each other. Do you know that kind of way? Or do you always, are you always just thinking... I do think sometimes with GA teams, you decide on how you're going to play and you work on that the whole year. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you become easy to read then, whereas you go, like you said, Dublin, in a, within a game, they can actually go defensively, get their breath back 
and then get the forwards back up the field again. You don't see that enough in GEA, or maybe you don't have enough, it's not professional, so you don't have enough time to work on different game plans. Yes, you know, it's, it's probably getting the balance right, you know, right across the board. And, you know, Dublin seem to have got that right in the last five years, you know, where they can press high up the pitch, they can revert back to 13, 14 men behind the ball, you know, and kill the game. You know, and, and they they the one team that stands out and you know, Gaul was trying to get that in place at the minute. And like every team is trying to say play a similar mode. You know, they will get men behind the ball, they will keep three or four forwards up front, but it's having that discipline in them three or four four forwards up front that they're disciplined to hold depth and with with okay and trying to give you that pivot to kick the ball too yeah and then of course we've attacking cornerbacks which messed the whole thing up so that, I mean that's another dynamic we'll get into that might get into that the next day right that's it who we give performance of the weekend to lads it's hard to look past Shane Walsh isn't it a phenomenon he could get it every week with the form he's in I think he's got it already yeah, well, even Owen Bradley was tweeting about him at the weekend I can't think of a higher compliment <laughs> so it has to be Shane Walsh what did he say what did he, he say I could watch this fella all day it's Owen Skinner Bradley the second greatest forward of all time so. that's after Paddy Brown yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what about him? Oh Jesus! Yeah, well, I'm surprised that you're there now. Right, <laughs> we'll leave. I remember four of us rotating around Owen Bradley one day in Clonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. he, he blew hot and cold Owen Bradley, though, didn't he? Not at all, no. Not at all. <laughs> Always right. hot. Okay, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll preview the weekend. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and. Uh, and they regret what happened they've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys that these fellas get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years